How Did You Make the Show with Chris Stewart. Chris Stewart is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods, and philosophies, and more. The Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high-performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high-performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Hey, what's up, amigos? It's the Prodigy Maker Show, episode 42, coming to you live from Manchester, Vermont, not New York City, this week, and... It's been a while, guys. It's been a couple months. I've been swamped with tennis camp. We had seven, eight weeks of an amazing tennis camp at my club in Vermont. And I'm just coming off the downslope of that. I'm taking a deep breath and trying to get back into my routine, doing the podcast and the show and getting back to private coaching and working with small groups. I have a new program up here in Vermont at my club, so I'm super excited about that. It's called the annual program. So I have kids coming in from all over the U.S. to train with me in small groups, which is really cool, and I have a great setup for them. And I'm doing my private coaching thing in New York and also in in Vermont. So I wanted to reconnect with all of the fans of the show and start to get back on track because hopefully, maybe not, some of you may have missed me and missed uh, the show. So tonight I'm excited to talk about what I call the dirty tricks department, which is the gamesmanship that kids do in tennis on the court in tournaments and matches and have maybe a few funny or maybe not so funny stories about that. And uh, we can talk about maybe how to handle gamesmanship. And I just think it's really important for kids who are playing tournaments and competing to understand that there's more than just strokes and technique and hitting the ball, that part of winning is learning how to handle gamesmanship and understanding all the dirty tricks that are out there. And there are a hell of a lot of dirty tricks. I was working on a small list. I'm writing an article called, uh, eponymously named article, same name, the dirty tricks department. And I have already 20. And I think if I post on my social media pages for suggestions. Maybe you guys in the audience have some suggestions too. You can leave comments and let me know some of the worst examples that you've experienced in terms of gamesmanship and dirty tricks. And I don't just mean cheating. I mean any kind of even legal manipulation and gamesmanship. So it was kind of interesting. I was searching my email for the article draft because I write I've written books in emails. I don't know if that's weird, but I I wrote two books and I usually write all of my articles and books as an email to myself or several or multiple emails. 
So it's kind of a weird quirk of mine as a writer. I like to write in emails. But anyway, I was looking through my old emails and I found one from 2014. And it was a conversation with one of my old apprentices and assistant coaches, Brandon, who's now a great coach down in Florida, uh, working with a lot of top players. And this was one of the topics, the dirty tricks that, that players uh, do and how to manage them. And also there was a couple other good ideas in those old articles. They, they say, you know, sometimes you forget all the great ideas that you had. So I have a couple more show and article ideas uh, one of them is on anticipation and how to teach and train anticipation and what different what the different kinds of anticipation are. And another one is on playing up, you know, whether it's a myth, whether you need to play up or play down. And that's a big issue for parents and, uh, and, and in junior tennis and at academies. You know, you often get requests to play up all the time. And most most uh, kids want to play up and the parents want to play kids up in divisions also in tournaments. So I thought that would make an interesting show too. sort of to start the I guess we're rounding out the summer here and getting uh, getting into the fall season soon. So we should be back on track with the show pretty much weekly. I'll try to I try to do the show every week, if not every other week. And we'll start rolling with the brand new season. I hope you guys get excited. And, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about dirty tricks. And if you have any questions about junior tennis, you know, this show is about junior tennis development. This show is about high performance tennis and building world class players. So my focus is as a junior development coach. That's my that's my main passion, working with kids and developing developing them into champions and so that's what this show is all about our 42nd episode wow not bad uh for a dad with four kids and a busy guy i enjoy sharing with the community online and we often get some pretty high powered and intelligent guests on the show people commenting in people you know kind of big shots in the tennis world coaches and parents so that's always exciting too if we get some discussion going and a respectful debate. So Dirty Tricks Department, guys, I uh, was going to tell you, I have, there's, there's a student of mine, it's kind of, kind of funny story. I'm not going to say who it is. I don't want to name names, but there's a student of mine who's a really talented player, right? And he has... A few, I don't have, to, I don't know if I'll call them dirty, I guess they're dirty tricks, but he has a few little things that he does that, that I, that drive his opponents bananas. And I just thought I'd share them with you just to sort of elucidate what I'm talking about in terms of manipulation. And sometimes manipulation is part of the game. You know, the, the best players in the world are very good at the mental battle, you know, the psychological warfare of tennis. So, I wanted to share this uh, this this kid and his story, and what what he does a lot of times is first if sometimes there's a close call, he call it out. So that's the most probably the most common, if you want to call it cheating, or sometimes the kids just see it out. You know they they want to win so badly. A lot of kids they want to win so they have this burning desire to win that they they literally see balls that are that are in or close you know, out. And that can, that can drive an, a, the opponent just nuts. 
And it's a great way to, oh, it's probably the best way in tennis to manipulate someone's mind. I'm not advocating for that because I don't teach my students to cheat. And I've written a lot of articles about cheating and how to handle it. And that would, I think, would make a in very interesting follow-up or maybe segue at some point uh, where I've written some articles. Some of them were sort of hotly debated about what parents and kids should do when someone cheats them. But in this case, so this, this little kid, he likes, he likes to sort of early in the match get a, get a couple of close calls going. And then it, it just creates a lot of uncertainty and, and maybe even a little chaos in the mind of his, his rival. And that's very common. A lot of kids do that. A lot of kids who are manipulators do that. Um, and so the second thing that this kid does is, okay, this is going to drive, this is going to kind of warp your mind and, and, and make, make, this is going to make the rival go uh, it's sort of gaslighting in a way. So next thing it does is sometimes when, when the ball's out or maybe soon after calling a close one out, he plays a close one and calls it in. And I thought that was just genius because now your rival doesn't know what the, the hell's going on because at first you assume, okay, this kid's calling, calling the balls against me, you know, the, the close calls. And then out of nowhere, he'll just play one that's like a foot out. And then he'll look at you like, what? That was in. That was clearly in. <laughs> you know? So you can see sort of the, the mind screwing that's going on here. Uh, and, and usually he'll, he'll do it early in a match to kind of get, the, get under the kid's skin and, and drive his opponent crazy. I just thought it was brilliant, you know, that little, little psychological manipulation. I'm not advocating for this, but, I, but this is the stuff that people need to be ready for when they play a tennis match, especially kids. What often happens is you get these really nice kids. I've coached a lot of them who don't understand that tennis is a brutal, vicious game of psychological warfare. It's brutal and vicious. And a lot of children don't understand that that's what tennis is. Sometimes tennis is kind of this fluffy sport with roses and, and bunny rabbits and, you know, it, it's in rainbows and, and, you know, horses prancing in the, the, in the garden, in, in the field. It's not like that. Tennis is a vicious, brutal, hellish psychological battle. At, in any kind of tournament setting, you know, maybe not at the country club, but oftentimes, you know, p kids pick up tennis and they just think, oh, tennis is a nice, pleasant game. You know, I hit the ball over there and then the other kid hits it back to me and, and we wear our tennis whites and it's all respectful. And after we go get a glass of iced tea or something or some lemonade. And I know that Tennis exists in some form like that in places in the world, but in the world that I live in, the high-performance tennis world, junior tournament world, the cutthroat world, I, I, or maybe because I'm from, maybe because I'm from New York City, at least originally, and for many years uh, I've lived there. It's particularly vicious, you know, eastern section of New York. That in, of, of the country, the eastern section, I believe, has the worst reputa 
reputation for gamesmanship and cheating in the entire country, hands down. And I don't know what that says about New York or the people who habit, habitate New York, but, but I think it's true. It's just a very cutthroat place. It, it is a very competitive place, and there is a lot of gamesmanship and cheating from the, the Eastern players, you know, maybe even from the coaches and parent, parents. You know, many of them encourage that in, in the New York area. And I, I found that kids from other parts of the country not always, but, but it's, there seems to be a little less of that viciousness that you see in, in New York. But, you know, that's just my personal experience. But anyway, getting back to uh, the story of, of this, this kid. Okay, so, so imagine you're playing someone and in the beginning, right at the, the beginning of the match, you know. Okay, a couple, couple questionable calls here and then a couple the other way. You know, and, and now you're, you're really off balance if you're playing someone like this. Okay. And then the next thing, the next thing he does, and this is one of the favorite ploys that all manipulators do. I think they do it really well. He, ch- he likes to change the score or, or question the score. So he'll go, is it 30 all? Or uh, 40-30, right? Or, or maybe even like have a little discussion about the games. Like, it's 3-2. Oh, what? It's not 3-2. It's 2-2. And, you know, come up to the net, have like a little talk about it. Or, or if there's a questionable line call, like, you know, kind of take a minute, walk over the other side, check the mark. Or, or you know, there, there's going to be some sort of discussion happening. And there's going to be maybe an argument or some back and forth, some rep, repartee, and some verbal jousting. And I think all great manipulators, whether you want to say manipulation is good or bad, I, I don't necessarily use that word in a pejorative way, because some, because I do believe it's part of the game. It's part of the game of tennis. I'd like to talk about that, if we have time too, just a little bit about why tennis, why tennis is such... Uh, why the, the way the game is structured is it's so easy for cheaters uh, to have a big impact on the game. Um, I'll, I'll touch on that in, in a moment. But in general, so getting back to this uh, introductory story, and this is how I'm going to start the article. I think this it would make a great small book, you know, just a, a little book, little book on cheating, or the dirt, maybe the dirty tricks department would be a chapter in a little book like the little black book of cheating. And it would sort of be a little book that, that um, you know, players would read, hopefully not to learn how to use those tactics, or, or maybe some of them are legal and, and they're allowed, but, but it would be a book to sort of, I mean, I would write it to try to help the children who are so innocent and gullible and, and sort of Pollyannish. My main my main goal would be to write the book for them, you know. Uh, I, I, this show is about kids, but I mean, this could be for any adult. I had uh, a few comments already. Brian Peterson, thank you. Thanks for the waves, guys. I see some old friends there tuning in. Vanessa Rago, thanks for the wave. Thanks for the wave, everybody. Christia, I hope I pronounced your name right. Thanks for the wave. And Christia says, or Christia says uh, that book would be helpful for every level. Uh, and there's a couple of comments already that said, you know, the, the USDA adult leagues are pretty bad, too, with cheating. And I think that is true, especially 
you hear a lot of horror stories about the women women doubles and uh, women's leagues, but you know I think at every level there's cheating and manipulation, and that's because tennis as a sport, the way it's structured, is fundamentally flawed in my opinion. So I'm sort of jumping the gun here and the, the, the little talk I wanted to have later, but you know tennis is the way it's structured is flawed, and the reason why tennis is it's so easy to manipulate things is because people call their own lines, and that's in the game of tennis, which is, and I've, I've written about this, and I, I think I've touched on this in previous podcasts. I'll have to link which episode now that we have so many. But it's ridiculous that in, this, in the rules of tennis, people call their own lines. I mean, maybe informally, like two friends playing at the country club and then going to have a nice lemonade, it's fine. But it's, it's ridiculous, my wife would say, ridonkulous, that, that ki- kids, I think my wife's laughing in the background, it's ridiculous that, that kids can call their own line calls or pros could call their own lines calls in a money tournament on the pro circuit on the ITF circuit or uh, at a high-level junior event where you know college coaches and recruiting is on the line and rankings are on the line. It's, it's absurd. It's, it's a, the, a comedy of the absurd that children are allowed to call their own lines and, and keep their own score. You know? And I don't know many, very few other junior sports permit that. And so because tennis is relatively unique in the way it's structured, it allows cheaters and manipulators to thrive and have a huge, huge impact on the outcome of the game, which I think is truly a shame. And another reason that tennis is a true sport for cheaters and manipulators is because of the scoring. You know, the way... Tennis has a very unique scoring system where it's not based on time, and many people have observed this, but it's interesting to me that it's not based on time. It's not like basketball where, you know, you score two points, I score two points, you know, the teams, and then you you run out of time, or or a soccer game where you you get a couple goals and you run out of time, or a football game, et cetera, et cetera. Tennis is has this unique scoring system where you can actually, where different points have different weight. So it could be a set point. You know, you could, you could have a very close match where there's a set point. And it's a pivotal moment in a match. And it carries a tremendous amount of weight. And it can, it can affect the scoring dramatically. It can affect the outcome of the match. So if somebody cheats and manipulates on a, on a big point like that, a break point, a game point, and then ultimately a set point or a match point, for example. A match point is a huge, decisive point. Literally decisive, decides the match. So if a player cheats during those moments, it can have a profound effect on the outcome of the match. That's why it's an absolute myth when people say that cheating doesn't affect the outcome of a match and that good kids should ignore it and just sort of play on their own. And I've written about this. It's absolute baloney. It's uh, nonsense. Because the way tennis is structured, the way the scoring is, uh, cheaters are incentivized in a sense. They, they, are, they are tempted to dip into the dirty tricks bag 
because they can get so much benefit from bad call here or manipulation there. And the other reason I think it's fascinating that tennis as a game, the way it's structured, allows for or encourages or fosters a lot of cheaters and manipulators is is because of the time aspect of tennis. Tennis is a game where there's a lot of time to think. There's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of time between points, and the matches are very long, typically, compared to other sports. I was talking to a friend of mine who was a high-level wrestler, and my daughter's a wrestler, so I like to compare different sports and paradigms of sports. And, you know, a wrestling match, there's not a lot of time to cheat or manipulate. There's, there is cheating and manipulating in all sports, but there, it's just a match is short. You know, there, there's not a lot of time for dirty tricks. There's not too much time for gamesmanship. Just using wrestling as an example. Is there gamesmanship and dirty tricks? Absolutely. But it's not a, you know, a wrestling match might take five, five minutes, six minutes max. And there's not as much time to think. You know, that's what makes tennis such a dastardly game. You know, a game of psychological warfare. That's what I like to call it. Because there's a lot of time to think in tennis. You know, you, you play, a, you lose a close game, and you have to go sit down for a minute and a half and think about it. Or you might have uh, time, you know, you get 20, 25 seconds in between points where you're thinking, thinking, thinking. And you have to control all of your demons and control your, your thoughts and your, control your emotions, ultimately. Uh, to be a champion in tennis. And it's really, really difficult to stay focused and concentrated for that long period of time. And it invites a manipulator on the other side of the net to try to distract you. And that's essentially what a cheater or a manipulator or someone who practices gamesmanship or you might just say a tough competitor. You know, a tough competitor by nature, should try to get into your head. They should try to get you distracted. They should do things to try to take you out of your zone. And in tennis, there's such a premium on that. If you can, if you can play and learn how to take someone out of their zone, you can be, you can, you're going to win more matches. And so there's just a lot of opportunities for that in tennis because there's downtime, time between points, time at changeovers, time between sets. There's a lot of time to think. There's time to talk. There's time to argue. You know, you, a, a player who's adept, skilled at manipulation, th there's a lot of avenues where they can, they can drive their car down and, and wreck some havoc. So I just think that those those aspects of tennis, the fact that we allow kids, anyone, to call their own lines and scores, uh, the time aspect of tennis, and the scoring system of tennis, it just invites a lot of cheating and gamesmanship, and it's inherent in the game. And that's why, in my opinion, we should change some of the rule, rules and structure of the game to make it a healthier and happier sport, especially for children. I noticed one comment from Christia who said that many kids uh, leave the game. And it's true. I've written about that same element, uh, that many kids leave the game. They don't want to play USDA because they, they have terrible experience with cheating. And they, don't, they, they say, the hell with that. I don't want to play the USDA anymore. I don't want to play tournaments anymore because it's just a, 
It's the lion's den. It's like throwing your kid. If you have a nice kid, I've done podcasts and written about this. You have a nice kid. It's like taking your sweet little child and throwing him into a, a, the deep end of a pool with a bunch of sharks in there. And they just get eaten alive. And nice kids don't like to play tournaments. They all play high school or some sort of team tennis, if there is team tennis, or, or they just play you know, at their club. But most nice kids, get, they get the hell out of junior tennis because it's, it's so nasty and dirty. You know, it's, really, it's really embarrassing for the USTA, in my opinion, embarrassing for anyone who runs tournaments. And we run a lot of UTR tournaments at my club, and we don't stand for any of that. And I, I'd like to believe that we host very, very clean tournaments. And I'm proud of that. And one of the reasons we can do that is because we're so small, you know, four courts, two courts. Uh, it, sometimes we run a tournament, two courts, and I have someone watching all the time to make sure there's no dirty tricks going on. I think that's critical to have someone watching the children all the time. Can't trust those kids. Uh, Chris just says, don't you think coaching should be allowed? In that way, kids can learn how to deal with different scenarios. It's hard to watch as a parent. It's terrible to watch as a parent, unless you're one of the parents who teaches their kids how to manipulate, which many parents do. They like it. They encourage it. There are a lot of parents like that. I wouldn't advocate that. But I actually do believe in coaching, and I think coaching should be allowed at all levels. And I know that there are purists in the game who don't want to allow coaching. They think it goes against the tradition of tennis. But I, I think it's it's silly. I think that uh, coaching would be so helpful for the health. Uh, for me, it's a it's a child welfare issue for young for kids. I think little kids should have a, a parent or a coach available to help them, and also to navigate some of these very deleterious situations that can can develop, uh, particularly with cheating and, and learning how to handle that. So yes, I am a big adv advocate for on-court coaching, and I know it's a big big debate in in professional tennis right now. But I just think it's for me it, it makes a lot of sense, and and I still think that there, even with a coach, there's uh, a lot to navigate and manage as an individual athlete in tennis. And I think tennis players are still plenty tough, even if they have the coach. In the same way that boxers and MMA fighters are extremely tough, even with a coach in their corner. They still have to go out and win the fight, even if they have someone giving them advice. So I, I feel the same way about tennis as I do with MMA and boxing, of which I'm a sports that I'm a big fan of. Uh, so getting back to my little superstar player who likes to play some dirty tricks and uh, so I was mentioning that so this is a great lesson for any junior out there or, or even an adult you know the first thing that, that uh, anyone who's trying to manipulate your mind the first thing that they want to do is they want to get you to think because if you're thinking you're not being automatic the danger of playing someone good who's automatic is they're just in the flow they're in the zone so what any manipulator is trying to do, and any number of dirty tricks, in the entire dirty tricks department, all of the items in the dirty tricks department, all of the dirty tricks, the goal is to get the rival to think, to get upset, to get distracted, to lose focus. So that can be 
in very subtle ways. For example, maybe you're getting ready to serve and the returner puts up their hand, says, oh, hold on, not ready. Yeah, it can get under your skin a little bit. It's very subtle, it's legal. You know, that's not, that's not illegal. It can be very illegal. Like I said, my little, little champion dude that I'm talking about, call a ball that's in or very close, out. If you call a ball that's in or close, out, it's going to drive most people crazy. And that's why it's the most common most commonly used dirty tactic because it's easy to do and it drive, drives most people off the wall and especially other kids who have a conscience and who have a, a, sense, a, mo- a sense of moral rectitude and they need to have justice in the world. Children like that, if they get cheated even one time or God forbid multiple times, multiple times, Oh gosh, that, that player is, is, starts to go insane. They literally lose it. Like they may be, they're going to go bananas. And, and, and the mind starts churning. You know, the cogs of the machine start spinning around. And they're, that flow is going to be gone. The zone is gone. And they're going to play some really bad tennis. They may decide they don't want to play anymore. So a lot of those kids, they, they give up, you know, if someone's a, a manipulating them. And, and the easiest way to do it is a bad line call. Easiest way. So that's probably number one of all the dirty tricks. And we all know it. We all know. Bad line call. And that's what my little superstar does sometimes. I mentioned the other flip side, which I think is brilliant. So then a close ball that's out, you play it, like you, and you hit a big shot, like a winner or something. Well, well here's the genius of it, because if, if you hit a winner, you say, no, 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 it was in. And like on a serve, you know, like a return of serve. So opponent serves, it's a foot out, it's a foot long. But, but you play it and hit a big shot. If you make it, what do you say? No, what do you mean? The serve was in, it's a good serve. <laughs> okay, if you miss the return, you put up your finger or you say, no, no, it was uh, just out. And then if the, re- if the returner is not naive, it probably say something like, he or she will probably say something like, oh, you can't call it late. And say, no, I didn't call late, I, I called it. And anyway, it, it doesn't really matter. If it, it doesn't even matter in, out, the, the uh, late, early. Once a determined manipulator has got you talking to them, you're screwed. Because it's the discussion it's a, it, that these, these players are masters at. They are masters of, I said verbal jousting. They are masters of debate. They will make amazing lawyers someday. Because once they have you engaged in a discussion, was it in, was it out... Was did you call it at the right time or whatever? It, it doesn't matter. Once you're talking to them, they have you. So the point, whether you lose it or win it, that that could it, it could be relevant or irrelevant depending on the 
the time, the juncture of the match, you know. But it's the fact that they've got you talking to them and thinking about whatever they want to distract you with. And that's what gets you. That's what gets you off track and takes your mind somewhere else where your mind should be focusing on the game, the tactic, the decision that you're going to make next. And in, in very bad situations, it's going to get you so heated and angry that you lose control of your emotions and then you can't play well. But it's just, just this, the sheer act of arguing and discussion for most, for a lot of people, especially nice kids, it's just going to, it's just going to derail them. And that's why I always tell my students, don't engage in any of that BS. And I mean, it may sound harsh, but I'll, I'll tell my, my students, tell, tell you to shut up. Don't talk to me. It may sound a little harsh, but I say, don't say a word to me. Because manipulators love to talk to you. And they'll, they'll talk about anything. A common ploy, and this is one of the dirty tricks department, is a kid will just start talking, talking anything to you. They'll start talking about the weather, how good you're hitting your forehand today. Hey, where do you normally train at? What do you mean? That's just being nice. I'm not trying to do nothing here. But that is very common ploy for manipulators. That's why I tell my students, tell that kid to shut up. Don't talk. You tell him or her, don't talk to me. Don't say a word to me. We're playing a match. And don't get into it because once you get into it, unless you are very, very skilled, verbal, you're, if you're skilled at verbal jujitsu, and you can do it without getting distracted. Okay, God bless you. But most kids are not very are not expert in verbal jujitsu. And once they start engaging in an argument, it's going to go bad for them, very badly. Uh, so I, I t it sounds a little harsh, but I, I like I like that. I like to tell my student, don't you say, don't talk to me. And the other kids like, what what do you mean? You're not very nice. Okay, I'm, I'm not here to be nice. I'm here to whoop on you. I'm here to win this match, okay? This is a fight. I'm not here to be your friend. So anyway, that's the message I tell my students. I remember I played a Pro Futures in Rochester one year. I did pretty well. I, got, I won my first round. I was playing qualies. won my first round. In, in one of those rounds, there was a college kid there. Kept talking to me. I almost got a code violation because I, I told him to shut the I told him to shut the F up. And the reason I did that was because he was he was I could tell he was a manipulator and he was trying to get in my head. And I and I and I just wouldn't I, I wouldn't let that happen. I was beating him badly. I was up, you know, maybe six two, four one, you know, I won the match easily. But I knew what he was trying to do. And I, no college kid was going to pull that kind of BS on me. And the only reason I knew that is because I'd just been around the block a lot. I've played a lot of tournaments, and, and I, I'm, I have experience. You know, but there are many kids who, who have no clue what's going on. They are absolutely clueless and naive. And they get eaten alive, literally eaten alive. And it can be very traumatic for those children in junior tournaments, and that's why a lot of them quit, and they don't want to play junior tournaments, because they don't want to get 
I won't use the word, but you know, they, they don't they don't want to get embarrassed and basically abused like that by some shark over there, some bully, some verbal bully. So anyway, I just I think it's a, it's a fascinating topic, and I think it's a topic that a lot of people don't talk about too much. And and worse, worse than that, a lot of coaches and parents tell their kids that some of the myths, like I mentioned before, that, oh, you just take the high road, and the cheating's not going to matter that much, you know. The cheating is, is um, you know, it's going to even out. It's somehow going to level out. Like the cheating doesn't affect the outcome of a match, which is which is ludicrous because it, it oftentimes does, especially on a big point. Or they, they say, you know, you just uh, play a little safer. You know, I, I've written many articles on this. So we, we, this is a whole other show maybe. Maybe I did a show on this. I might have done a show on this We uh, maybe last year. But, you know, oh, just play a little safer, you know, and then, uh, you know, you won't get cheated that way. You know, there's another myth, you know, that that's not going to work for most players either because most, especially aggressive players who need to attack, they have to play close to the lines. The only the only time that works is if you have a grinder, you know, a kid who can kind of um, grind and play a, a retreating style. Sometimes they can play a little safer and it, it may work against a cheater. But, but in any event... Okay, here's what this little champion does to his opponent in the early going. Okay, drop shot. Now, a lot of you are watching, you're like, okay, drop shot. That's not illegal. That's legal. It is. It, it is legal. And I'll tell you, I teach my students that the drop shot is potentially the most powerful shot in tennis. And I don't mean powerful. I say it's powerful, but not powerful. Because it's not a powerful shot, but it's tremendously powerful. Because the drop shot is almost, almost as disruptive to, a, to your rival as cheating. Almost. It's like a close second. It absolutely drives people crazy. They hate it when you do it. They hate that they have to run after it. And then if you really want to get in someone's head, you lob them and make them run all the way back to where they started. And so one of the things I do when I'm teaching psychological warfare to my students, my junior players, and anyone, is that the drop shot, if you have some feel and you can develop that shot, it's one of your best tools for psychological warfare. And it's legal. It's a legal shot. What's another one that's really, really good? Another shot? It's the lob. It's a moon ball. How many people can't stand playing a moon baller? Okay? How? Why? Oh, it's not real tennis. What do you mean it's not real tennis? There's a rule in the tennis book that says you can't hit the ball higher than a certain height. Where's the rule? There's a rule in tennis that you can't hit drop shots. Show me the rule book that says that. It's legal. And it's a great tool for psychological warfare. If you want to teach a kid to be a street fighter, to be tough, to be a warrior, you have to teach them how to compete and manipulate, in, in my opinion, 
in legal ways. And these are some of the tools you have to equip a kid with. And if you don't, you're just sending your, you're very naive. You're very naive and you're sending your kid out there for the slaughter. And at the very least, if I can ever write this little book, it's tough right now, I have a little baby, it's tough to get in writing mode. The last book I wrote was, I think going on six years ago now, 2014, I think we published the last, The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Great book, by the way. Uh, it's been about six, I haven't really had the, I have a few books floating around in my computer, but I haven't really had the, it takes a lot of passion to write a book. You have to be very, very enthusiastic about a subject, and you have to see it all the way through uh, towards uh, towards production. And, and, and I just haven't felt it in the last few years, so... Uh, and this this strikes me as a very good article, and maybe the, the maybe the essence of a, of a book, a small book that would be very very useful, very practical for children and and all play, players of all ages really, practical for coaches. Coaches can learn how to train their kids to be resilient and to be ready to be prepared for the the dirty tricks that are going to be thrown at them. Be very very useful, interesting little book and particularly a, it, it could include a guide for what to do like how, how how to prepare your players what should their tactic be what should their strategy be to handle this situation or that situation maybe I could come up with a list of 30 or 40 of the most common dirty tricks and then the book could talk about what what are the solution what's the solution here what are your options on the court how do you deal with this and and give kids sort of a game plan for that because I think the best coaches actually do that. The best coaches who coach winners and you know, winners of, of tournament, uh, you know, tournament champions. I think that they they are teaching all of the things that I'm talking about. They, it's just not in a book or a manual, or they, they just know a lot of these things from experience. So they take their kids to tournaments. They see a lot of the garbage out there, and then they they prepare their children. They prepare their students that way. Parents too. I think the best parents of junior champions prepare their kids for this kind of nonsense, you know. So the the four that I mentioned with this this kid that I've, I've been working with it are they got the 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 line the line call these and and I just thought it's instructive for everyone who's listening or watching because I think these are like very simple manipulations and they're common. They're very very common. And Line calls, that's the big one. You know, just, just, you know, you hit a good shot and someone takes it away from you. They snatch it out of your grasp, especially on a big point. That, that is a great tool for psychological warfare. It's illegal, but a lot of kids do that. The second one was, and I think it's brilliant, is on the flip side, a ball that's out, you play it. And you sort of have this little dance going on this game where sometimes you play an out ball but sometimes you call an in ball out try it's mind-blowing it is gaslighting and now your your opponent just like it's like what is happening right now am i am i seeing things wrong and i'm way i maybe i'm just having a bad day and I, i'm i'm not i'm missing all the calls today you know uh, that's not what's happening you are being manipulated and then there's the changing of the score. Oh, the changing of the score. This one is 
just fantastic. Players who, you know what I asked? Uh, I asked this kid, we were talking about one of his, one of his matches. I asked this kid, I said, I said and, and I'm trying to help this boy make better choices, believe me. I don't condone any of this, but I asked him, why, why do you do that? Why, why do you question the score like that? You know what he said to me? He looked at me and I said, it works. It works. <laughs> he said, it works because it gets, it gets my opponent thinking. You know, it, it's, it seems to work. So in this kid's mind, there was no, you know, like, like moral aspect to it. It's just, it was just, okay, I'm in a battle and, if I question the score here, even if it ends up being this, the same score, like let's say it's 30 all, and I say it's 40-15, right? Well, that's innocent enough. I just got the score wrong. But it just creates a discussion, like I mentioned, a dis- and it distracts the person, let's say your opponent, if they're serving, for example. They start thinking about it. Well, I thought it was 30, no, it's 30 all. No, I... It's 40-15. Don't you remember? Uh, I won this point. And then you have a whole talk about that. You know, it's great. You're at the net. It's going to, like, two minutes go by. Oh, no, oh, I won this one. No, remember you won that one. And then, no, 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 no. I won this one. And then I remember that foreign that I hit. And meanwhile, you're getting out of your, this person is taking you out of your zone. You have to be very, very careful with that. That's why I said no. I tell my students, you, you tell them, shut, shut up. Don't talk to me. Because you have to know when someone is trying to manipulate your mind and you have to protect your mind. Now, there's all sorts of different ways that players can manipulate their opponent's mind. And these are just a few of them. I just thought it was fat, you know, brilliant. And then the drop shot, okay? So you combine all four of those and you have quite a package of tools, very simple tools. I'll, I'll list them again. Line calls, both ways. Changing the scoring and drop shotting. So those four little tools in your toolbox, dirty tricks in the dirty tricks department, your bag of dirty tricks, are pretty significant. Pretty significant weapons against someone who, who's maybe older or better than you or more skilled than you. Maybe they have better technique than you. Let me tell you, technique doesn't win a tournament. You know, if you have really good psychological warfare skills, you can win a tournament with sometimes lousy technique. You, you, you can compensate for a lot of things. Maybe being a little bit out of shape, maybe not having a picture perfect form, this or that. So, you know, does that mean all, all kids should follow those? kids should be doing those four things no i think the drop shot is legal that's a good one manipulating uh changing the score is absolutely illegal calling a ball that you know is in out is cheating that's illegal that's not right does it happen a lot in junior tennis happens a lot you know i I believe it happens a lot because it's too tempting like i said the way tennis is structured we let the little kids out there and they all it's like the Lord of the Flies out there with the children. It's absolutely crazy. It's, I, don't know, I don't know any other sport that does it like that, especially with little kids. Someone said to me, golf. Golf is the closest thing. They let the, the kids in tournaments call. I don't know much about tournament golf. 
you know, what other sport allows it? What other major sport allows that for children? Anyway. So I'm not going to list all the, the dirty tricks that I'm working on. Maybe, maybe I have to buy the book or something. <laughs> or at least wait for the article. I'll publish the article somewhere, maybe in New York Tennis Magazine. Or maybe I've been writing for John Yandel's Tennis Player Magazine. You guys like TennisPlayer.net? Give John Yandel a shout out. One of the best technical magazines in the world. Technical tennis magazines. Do a, I write a lot for him. We, we collaborate on many articles. We have collaborated on many articles over the years. Highly recommend that resource, tennisplayer.net. I don't think a lot of people realize that that's such a great resource for technical knowledge and um, study of biomechanics. Many, you know, we, uh, monthly articles on biomechanics and things like that. I just think it's a great resource that a lot of coaches and parents don't aren't using enough people are going to youtube now last you know over the last i don't know five or ten years people start to go to youtube for their information and i think that's a little bit sketchy uh risky and there's a lot of a lot of uh uneven information out there a lot of questionable experts out there on youtube uh, i just think john john still has that john's been doing that magazine for years that technical magazine and it's tremendous. It's, it's shaped my coaching significantly. I, uh, John's been a great mentor to me over the years, and I always try to... He's one of the smartest people in tennis, John Yandel. I don't know if a lot of people realize that, but he's guy's, guy's brilliant. And he's my kind of guy. He loves technique. He loves biomechanics. And for anyone who's into strokes and mechanics and who likes high-speed video, I love studying high-speed video and it's just an amazing resource. He's been doing that for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Maybe, I don't know how many, how many volumes he has now of that magazine. It's an unbelievable body of work that he's developed over the last 15 or 20 years and great resource. And, and you can trust a lot of the information there as opposed to what you find on, on YouTube. Well, there, are, there are some good YouTube videos out there. It's just hard to discern. It's hard to find the, the good ones, the good people on YouTube. Anyway, guys, the Dirty Tricks Department, this was the introduction. I hope you enjoyed. I know that many junior players will be listening in. I know that many parents find this topic intriguing and apropos they 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 face these these types of opponents all the time. Uh, his name is John Yandel. Chris just saying John Yandel. Y A N D E L L. He's based in California and has a tennis magazine called TennisPlayer.net. If you want another resource that is tremendous, and it's totally free, you don't even have to pay for it. It's my blog. It's at ProdigyMaker.com. The same name as this show. And we've got a lot of good stuff going up there. I'm starting to get all of the articles that my former coach and mentor, Gilad Bloom, from Israel, has been writing. I'm getting more and more of his articles and posting them there. So all you get there is my writing, and you do get a little dose of the legend Gilad Bloom, the New York Israeli legend, uh, who's an excellent coach and also a world-class technician if you like technique this is the guy to talk to 
and this is where I learned most everything I know about technique, at least got me started on the technical journey uh, as a technical coach or as a technician, as I like to talk about it. So we've got some really good stuff there. A lot of my articles on Spanish tennis and my philosophy and the way I see the game, the way I develop players. And we've got a lot of quotes and wisdom. I like to call it wisdom from the Spanish legends, Tony Nadal. I've been studying a lot with Uncle Tony. Luis Bruguera, Pato Alvarez, the the big heavyweights of Spanish tennis, Jose Higueras, these are all my mentors from from Spain. Name dropping, the big guys, the big guns from Spain, but these are the people I have a lot of respect for and people who have shaped my coaching philosophy. So I try to share that online at the blog, prodigymaker.com. Got a lot of cool stuff going on. I mentioned I'm here in Vermont now. Looks like we're going to be here a long time. We're here full-time right now in Manchester, Vermont. Check it out, Manchester, Vermont, an awesome little city. It's like a little city in the mountains, a little town, a big town, a little city. And we love it here. So we're in Manchester, Vermont now. We're not going to be going back to the New York City area. I'm still teaching in New York, so I commute in. It's not too bad for me, about three hours or so. So don't despair, New York. I'm still there for you. I will be there for you um, for, a, for forever. I don't think I'm going to stop teaching in New York ever. So don't worry. I'm still teaching in New York if you are one of my fans or families from New York. But we've relocated our family to the mountains here in Vermont. So it's very exciting, big move for us. And it means that I get to teach at my club year-round. So that is very exciting for me. And I can have players come and visit. I have housing for players now. We have a carriage house, which is something I've always wanted here. A guest house for players who are coming to visit and families. So I have these two girls who I'm coaching uh, from Florida, the Samabali Twins. Amazing young players. Check, check them out, the Samabali Twins. They are on a journey to the tour with their dad leading the way. He's an amazing coach and I'm the assistant coach. I'm the, the I'm, I'm guiding them and it's, it's an incredible story. They're from Minnesota and they've uh, relocated their whole family to Florida and they have a big dream of being professional players. And I've been working with them now. This is the second year. So, Families like that can come and stay with me and work with me. Anybody can come and stay with us. Uh, not in our house, in our guest house, which is really cool. And we have other housing for players who are visiting as well. So there's just a lot of options for people who want to come here, enjoy this incredible place in the mountains. It's beautiful, picturesque place in the mountains and train serious high-performance tennis with me. So... We're going to put Manchester, Vermont on the map this year. And also the club itself, we're doing a lot of UTR now. I, I, I partnered with UTR for the club. We have a lot of tournaments here, so there'll be a lot of junior players coming in. We, we offer almost every weekend now verified UTR events. Very excited about that. A lot of exciting things happening uh, surrounding the club. I'm going to be doing more workshops here for coaches this year. So if you're a coach, please consider coming 
to visit and study with me. We have many coaches uh, coming here. I just had recently had a coach move here to work with me at the club. Very exciting, you know, big fan of my work. So I, uh, we have coaches coming in to study and coaches coming in to, to work at the club as well. So if you're a coach and you're interested in your own improving your own education, you're always welcome to come visit. Uh, but the big, the big push is I'm looking for for serious players who want to train in my system, the Spanish way, the technical with a technical approach and uh, with a big emphasis on working, working hard, working seriously to become a champion, to win big junior tournaments, and ultimately to go on the professional tour. So I'm looking for players like that who want to come in and train with me week, weeks and months. We even can take kids for the year. Um, not too many. I'm, I'm only interested in a few kids. So uh, they're doing some really exciting stuff here, all based out of my, my club in, in Vermont here. And don't despair, New York. I will be coming down every week. It's just a few hours, and I like to drive. So, guys... It's been my pleasure. I'm excited to get the program back on track. I'm sorry to have missed you, but hey, we did a summer camp and it succeeded. I think I can say that yes, we have successfully we have successfully run ran. We have successfully run a summer camp. 30 plus campers every week it was amazing summer. We had no covid. We tested everyone. You couldn't get onto my club property without a test. We, we antigen tested the staff and all the players and the parents. It was an amazing summer, and I'm so blessed that we were able to pull it off. There were many days where I was super stressed out and worried and thought, you know, are we going to be able to do this? And, and we, we were able to do it successfully and safely. So I just feel so happy that we made it through the summer. What a stressful summer it was. Anyone who runs a camp or an academy or directs a club, they, they know what I'm talking about. There's just a lot of pressure and stress now in the pandemic era. So I just feel so blessed that we made it through the summer with the great high-performance camp, players visiting from all over the country. And now I'm, I'm a little more free. I have some freedom, take a deep breath, and start my new annual program, have players visiting, smaller groups, privates, semi-privates. I like working with small groups and uh, just looking forward to what the next year is going to bring. And I'm hoping for no resurgence of COVID in, in this area. In Vermont, we have no, virtually no COVID. And I'm just praying to God that this virus doesn't come back or we have a surge in this in the north, basically in the entire northeast, including New York. I hope we have no resurgence of COVID because I joke with my players. I say, in tennis, I hate one thing the most, and it's the net. I hate the net. But now I tell my students I hate something even more than the net. I hate the corona. I hate this corona so much. And sometimes I say, I, the only thing I hate more than the corona is the coronavirus on the net. That's the only thing I hate worse than the corona. But that's my top three. The net, the corona, 
and the corona on the net. Those are the biggest enemies for me right now. So I'll leave it with that. Watch out for the dirty tricks department, everyone. If you're a kid, don't be naive. It's going to be bad. you got to be prepared. Your coaches and parents, they need to prepare you for what's going to happen in tournaments. It's going to be nasty. You may need to tell your opponent to shut up. And I'll get this article out soon so you can have your players reading. If you're a player, you can get it. I'll probably post it on... Well, as soon as it gets published in a magazine, we'll post it for free on the blog. But I appreciate you guys all tuning in. Watch out for those dirty tricks, everyone. Be wary. Be cautious. Don't trust anyone out there. There's a lot of sneaky players. Watch out for that kid I talked to you about. He's out there. I'm not going to tell you who his name is, but he's out there. All right. I'll see you guys on the next show. I've got some exciting shows coming up. Episode 42 is under wraps. As always, I will say adios, amigos. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Vamos!